I'm tired of living in this space of like fear and worry and angst. Hey guys, welcome back to Starring Milana, the podcast. This is the fifth episode in season three. Trace, number three. Arabic. The what? Talata? Okay, well, okay. Number three in all the languages that I know. Guess it. So, um, welcome. And um, yes, today we're talking about perseverance, the disrespectful kids of Gen Z, and the sexiest man alive. Now, if you're new here, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast has three segments. The first one is called BTS, where we preview my past week and catch up. And the second segment is called Talkworthy, where we pick a few things going on in the media and we try to offer a new or different perspective. And the third segment is called Dropping Gems, where we pick a topic of the week and we drop a few gems. Um, also, if you're new here and you're listening on the podcast audio apps, there is a visual to this. Visit youtube.com forward slash starring Milana. Make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, and yeah, give this video a thumbs up. And if you're watching on YouTube and you are halfway through but you got to go, don't worry. There is a podcast version of this. Go search starring Milana on most podcast apps. That's Apple, Spotify, and all the goods. So welcome. Um... I have decided that in the next few episodes, some way, somehow, we are going to get Lena Noraldine a microphone to this podcast because I'm tired of editing the audio and listening to her chirping in the background and you can't really hear her. So I decided that we're going to give her a mic. Um, but that's going to be in a little bit because we are taking a break for the next maybe two weeks to three tops. Um, it's the holidays, it's Thanksgiving, so we'll recap when I come back in a maybe December 9th-ish. So stay tuned, and if you are sad and lonely that I'm leaving, just go listen to one of my old podcasts. They're all relevant and still so funny, specifically and especially the one about being high-maintenance. That was a fan favorite. So, um, and uh, you know what? Newsflash, I am high maintenance. So if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, either, that's your answer. But yeah, so I will be gone for a little bit. But no worries, I shall be back um, before Christmas and all those other holidays. I'm not leaving you guys forever like last time. That's that's the hope. So let's just get right into it in the BTS segment. I experienced a crazy fucking Uber driver. I usually... Um, when I get in an Uber, I try to sit in the front because I get car sick. But the past few rides, I've been getting in the back and I had the worst experience. This Uber driver was driving so fast and he's probably like a passenger's dream because he's trying to just get you where you need to be. But he was driving so fast, I couldn't even hold my phone in my hand because we were like dicking and then dodging and going left and right. And he drove so fast that he drove faster than the navigation could fucking tell him the directions. So he gets off a freeway and tell, asks me left or right. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't even know where we're at. And he's like, oh, well, uh, uh, the navigation's not working. Yeah, because you're driving faster than the navigation can react. Like, it was insane. But I was on my way to my high school reunion. And like, I was like, fuck it. I just want to get there. So why don't we just get into that? My high school reunion. If you didn't watch last week's episode, stop right now, go back and listen, and then come back to this. 
just a brief recap. I was on the planning committee of my high school reunion. I uh, initiated the high school reunion. I had a vision for my high school reunion. My whole life, I was thinking, wow, I'm going to come back in 10 years in a ball gown, and we're going to like have this celebration at my high school reunion. And um, I planned this event, and not enough people bought tickets, so we had to cancel it. But again, we had a donation, so we ended up doing it at Dave & Buster's. So I walked into that reunion with, um, you know, not the happiest of moods. Kind of like we're at a fucking Dave & Buster's for my 10-year high school reunion. Is this really what the Fairfax High School Class of 09 has come to? It was really disappointing for me. However, I am eating my own shit because I had a fucking blast. Let's talk about it. So at first, I was nervous. I walk in. There's only three of us, me plus two committee members. And it's 7, 6, 6.35. It started at 7. So we're like, oh, what's going to happen? It's only three of us here. This is so awkward. And we're not just like roaming around Dave & Buster's. No, we have a private room. And actually, we had the best room in the house. It was like the corner unit, all glass windows. You can see Hollywood Boulevard. You can see Roosevelt Hotel, which is where we went to prom. So it was really fabulous for what it was um there was a screen in there we had the fight on some youtuber was fighting and then they plugged in my phone to listen to well treasure's phone but i sent her my playlist remember i told you guys last week that my playlist is like jamming to all the oldies this was like the perfect time to play it because no one else had a playlist we played my fucking music and we were having a blast us three plus our server so yeah we're just there the food is getting displayed and it's like 710 no one's there yet. I'm like kind of freaking out. 7.15, one guy walks in. I remember him from high school. Um, he walks in. I'm like, hi, I'm Alana. Do you remember me? And he's like, no. <laughs> Which is like, what? I was kind of like taken aback. Like, but we were in the same class and like most people remember me because I was like short and loud, but like you didn't remember me. It's fine. Um, but we hugged and we said hi. And now there was four of us and it was so awkward just standing there. And I was like, now I'm uncomfortable. And now I need to get a drink. So I had a margarita. Um, newsflash, Dave & Buster's doesn't have jalapenos or cucumbers, so they couldn't make me a spicy cucumber jalapeno margarita with tahini on the rim. It was a regular basic margarita, which I don't love, but it was fine. So I'm drinking my margarita, and then people start trickling in, like a few more committee members and like a few random people. About an hour into it, there was a solid 12 of us. We were doing really well. Um... We talked about basically all that we could talk about, and the food started rolling out. So the food rolls out, and more people start slowly coming in. And at the end of the the event, there was about 50 of us, which honestly was a blessing. I did not expect that many people to be there because when we did put up the tickets for the other location, only 21 people bought tickets, and I was like, this is going to be the fucking wackest reunion ever. But whatever, we have the money, it was donated, let's do it at Dave & Buster's, and 50 people showed up, there was a buffet of food, there was a fight was on, there was music, and we had a great time. I caught up with almost everybody, people looked pretty good, like people looked good, like I was surprised, and you can recognize most people, which I think is so interesting, it's not usually what you hear about reunions, but I think because it's 10 year, and like people are still like in their 20s, like they look the same, or maybe better, but I think by the next year, next 10 years, you know, like approaching, people are going to be approaching 40. I don't think people are going to look the same. We're probably not going to recognize people anymore. But everyone looked good. I had a good time. I'm glad so many people came. I'm not really into games. So when 
people didn't want to leave. So when like 10 p.m. was kind of ending, we had the room from like 7 to 10. It was 10.30. People weren't trying to go, but like the Dave & Buster's guy kicked us out of our room. So we were like, okay, let's go play games. But like no one really wanted to play games. So it ended the night. But I had a blast and I'm so happy I went. And I'm really proud of you know, Fairfax class of 09 for rallying. And I kind of want to do these reunions, not on this level, like maybe meet at a bar, like a fucking park once a year, just to kind of stay in touch. A park. Yeah, Lena, a park, like a pic, like a, like a barbecue at a park. They're not coming to my house, like a park. (laughs) What do you think this is? Uh, Maybe the homecoming game. I don't know. Um, but I had a good time and I'm eating my own shit for being really negative about it before. Anyway, I had multiple margaritas. Got pretty tipsy. I hope I was behaving. And then I woke up the next day at the crack of dawn because one of my best friends really wanted to hang out with me at the farmer's market. And I really didn't want to go. But you know what? It's her and her cute kids. And I was like, I got to rally for the kids. So I got my drunk ass up on a Sunday morning earlier than I would even wake up. Even if I was going to 9 a.m. church, where too early for me? Get up, I go to this farmer's market, um, dragging my feet, but I had some good finds. It was the Studio City Farmer's Market. I'm definitely going back. And I got like a black truffle oil. I got a chocolate mousse, just like some produce. I was feeling very domesticated, you know. Speaking of domesticated, I have been cooking more. I have now almost perfected my egg fried rice recipe because I've made it like five times. So really happy about that. I'm cooking dinner for my parents. Um, and you know, like they're coming over to visit for dinner. So I'm cooking dinner for them. So I'm really proud of myself. I spoke about this like earlier. I just don't cook. Um, but now I feel like I have to, like I'm getting older. I don't know how to cook. And I just kind of like you don't, when you're going out to eat so much, you don't know what they're putting in your food. Even if it's like an organic place, a clean place, this place, the oils, the butters, the fryers, you just don't know. So I'm just really loving the fact that I'm cooking more. Um, and speaking of cooking, I'm also not cleaning as much as I'd like to. I'm a very clean person and I like to clean. I actually enjoy cleaning because I can watch or listen to Real Housewives while I'm cleaning in the background. So kind of like, you know, I get through my shows and I can clean. However, I don't have time to clean. So I had to hire a cleaning lady, which I didn't think I would do so early on, but it kind of came to the point where it was taking me four to five days to clean this apartment. It's two bedrooms, it's two bathrooms, and I still do my own laundry. I can, I love laundry. I can't have anyone do my laundry, but I could not clean two bathtubs and like toilets and like my kitchen cabinets every couple of weeks or my windows. There's so many windows in this apartment. Like I don't have time. So I decided to hire a cleaning lady. She was cleaning on Sunday because people work, by the way. She was cleaning on Sunday and I edited my audio podcast. I edited my video. I did three different promo clips. I sat there in four hours and did so much work while she cleaned. So it's kind of like totally worth it. Like you can't put money on like time that you need to spend on working on shit so it really was I was it was just really more more efficient so I'm definitely gonna go the cleaning lady route she was great what else happened I was scrolling on Instagram the other day and I saw in the shade room this whole like campaign for these two really cute people that attend Harvard and they were running for student council their names are James and Iffy and there was a whole campaign like a music video and left song created for their campaign and First of all, they won, so congratulations. But 
it made me so happy because it reminded me of high school. I feel like this whole past week I was thinking of like reunions in high school. And so I just thought about like the times that I ran for different like positions when I was in school. Um, when I was in high school and I was like student government, I think I was in student government for three years and I ran for vice president and I, and I won. I think my slogan was like, you know you want to vote for Milana. And like it just <laughs> doesn't really rhyme. It's like pretty bad, but it stuck and people voted. But I will never forget this. Running for 10th grade Duchess, I won, right? Um, when I ran for homecoming queen, you guys, I, when I watched this campaign, it brought me back to my campaigning days for homecoming because let me tell you what happened. I started off senior year. This guy came up to me. He was gay. And he said to me, are you running for homecoming queen or prom queen? And I said, uh, homecoming queen probably because I like the parade and I love homecoming. There's a, a pep rally. There's just so many events for homecoming. I prefer homecoming queen. He's like, good, fine. I don't want to run against you. I'm running for prom queen. He ran for prom queen and he won. But um, I said I was running for homecoming queen. So homecoming comes around and I'm like, I already won Duchess in 10th grade. So I'm like, not a lot of people ran against me in 10th grade. So I was like, oh, this shouldn't be so hard. I didn't, I didn't have fucking time to campaign. Okay. So I'm thinking it's just going to be word of mouth, whatever. So campaign week starts and I heard like one or two people that were going to run. Campaign week starts. I walk into school and in the hallways, there's one designated area where you can like really hang, hang up posters. Splattered with 10 girls running for homecoming queen. They did not come to play. I was so unprepared because I did not think that all these people were running and I could just finesse it by word of mouth. I fucking panicked. I went to Office Depot after school. I got all of the cardboard paper. I got like the sticker paper. I made stickers and like vote for Milana, vote for Milana. So here comes the speech day, okay? There's 11 of us on stage, 10 plus me. There is two other cheerleaders that were running. Um, and then there was a few other girls. So I was the last one that was going to give a speech. So I'm like, great. Not only am I the last one of 10, like people are going to fucking pay attention. I don't even know. So I was like nervous. Here come the speeches. You guys would not believe this shit. The first speech starts off. So I know I'm not like your typical girl to run for homecoming. I'm not like the cheer captain and I'm not like in senior, senior president or vice president, but, and they're all looking at me because I'm the only person on the stage that was in cheer, was the captain and also was the student government. So that was the first speech and I'm sitting there like, oh my God. And like she was running on that campaign, like vote for the average Joe. I'm like, fuck my life. So that was her. Then the next girl goes and she's a cheerleader and she's just like, oh, I'm a cheerleader, but like I hang out with everyone, whatever. So that was that speech. Then the speeches kept going and going. Two more girls use the same kind of approach. I'm voting for the kids that are not in the clique, not the cheerleader, not the student government. And I'm like, these people are literally, and everyone's looking at me. These people are literally targeting me, right? I felt like personally attacked. So we get through all the girls and there was one girl next to me right before me, and she was on the cheer team with me. I'm like, oh, she's going to be nice. She's not going to say anything crazy. Like, this is my girl. I've known her since middle school. She gets on the mic, and she goes, um, vote for me for homecoming to be the first deaf girl to win homecoming queen. And I was like, damn. So this girl was hard of hearing. Um, she was great. I love her. But damn, I was like, I'm done here. Like everybody, not only did all those people use the same approach, this girl is like using 
this particular thing to run for homecoming. And like, can you really, what can you say? So I give my speech, people supported me, whatever. I end up winning. Um, and yay, woohoo. But come prom, these same people run on the same campaign message. The same thing. The girl says, vote for the first deaf girl to be prom queen. These same girls, actually it was more. It was like 18 girls that ended up running against this guy for prom queen and he won. And that was like a big uproar because I was like, why didn't he just run for king? Well, he said he was a queen. He wanted to run for queen. But it was crazy. And that just brought me back to like campaigning days. And the last thing I'm going to talk about in BTS that also brought me back is this Motorola Razor phone that's coming out. It's like the flip phone, but it's when you open it, it's a foldable like touchscreen so it's like an iphone that folds you know i thought about this i'm like this sounds so cool because like i loved my razor when i had my motorola razor i loved it but then i looked i'm like oh, it's a touchscreen phone it's fifteen hundred dollars i don't know if there is a phone or if there ever be a phone out there that will make me stop using iphones i can't stop using iphones like everything is apple all of my products are apple my ipad my computer um my iHome, everything I have is Apple products. So they're all intertwined and connected. It's like, I can't imagine myself using a phone that's not an Apple product. And also like $1,500 for this like razor. I don't know. I would rather the sidekicks come back with the buttons and everything. I loved my sidekick. When I was in high school, I had both the sidekick and the razor. Actually, everyone I knew had two phones. My razor was with AT&T or Singular. I can't remember what it was at the time. And my sidekick was with T-Mobile because they're the only ones that had sidekicks. My sidekick plan was prepaid. It was only for the texting emailing plan because all I, we did was use it for AIM and T-Mail. And my razor was my regular calling phone. And I remember when you get caught on your phone in school, they would ask you to, they would ask to take your phone. So I was on my sidekick. I, this happened to me like five times in high school. I was like AIMing with people, whatever. And I got caught every time, not every time, but five times. And they asked me for my phone. They wanted to confiscate my phone, but they didn't see what phone I was using. So I would always give them my razor, like the, my fucking calling phone. I would give them my razor because I could not be without my T-Mobile because my sidekick was my AIM phone. Like, how was I going to aim? Like, on the computer? Like, no, I need it with me at all times. Like, that's how attached and, like, obsessed we were with the AIM, like, the AIM days. And I, I'm telling you, this has been such a nostalgic week for me. Looking back at it, like, my screen names, you guys, horrible. It was, like, Dancing Girl 333. And then it was, like, Hala Finelli 1. Hala Finelli 1. Capital H, lowercase o, capital L, capital L, lowercase y, F, number zero, fo, Nelly, the number one, because like, I am number one, you know that song, like it was humiliating and people didn't tell me that it was dead wrong until like we got older and like they were started making fun of me. And then as I got older, I was like, damn, I need a regular ass like screen name. And I saw my friends, they had like screen names with middle names. It was like Arissa Marie, Cassie Blake, Tonya Maria, like everyone had their first name and their middle name. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have a middle name. So like, I need a, I need one that has, a, how do I get a middle name? Um, so I took my dad's first name, Nikolai, and I decided to create my middle name, Nikki, like, nothing official, but it was Milana Nikki. And I did that for my aim name. And this was like a ninth grade or 10th grade. And 
people till this day think my middle name is Nikki, Milana Nikki, because I crossed that over to my stage name. That was like my life, Milana Nikki. Like I have print work that says Milana Nikki, but it all started from AIM. So I feel like if the psychics came back with the same prepaid plan, I probably would get back on the psychic AIM days. Not so much on the Motorola Razor days. That's where I'm at with that $1,500 phone. We're going to move on to the talk-worthy segment. Not a lot going on this week um, that I particularly want to talk about, but let's just let's just start with, the, in my opinion, the biggest news. There was a shooting at a California high school. Saugus, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Saugus High School, this is ridiculous. It's right down the street from us. Like It's so close to home. My sister works there. She's worked there several times at the blood drives. I'm like... I was terrified when I saw the news because she drives out there all the time. Um, but rest in peace to the two kids that, that passed. Um, the shooter has also died. Um, he uh, killed himself um, and he was hospitalized for a while and now he has passed. I don't really like know what to say. I'm like, kind of numb to all these shootings. Like It's one after the other. It's like the same fucking story over and over again. I don't know... Like, can California, I know that, like, we don't have open carry here. I don't know. We don't really, what's the, what's the gun laws here? Like, you can, you can still have a gun, but it's not as, I don't know what the gun laws here in California are, but I feel like we're just doing things so much differently than the rest of the country. So I feel like, can we put a complete ban on owning weapons? Like, I don't know how this kid got a gun, um, I know that his dad, I read an article that his dad owned six guns, but his dad, none of those guns were missing. So either they're lying and it was there was a seventh gun or um, this kid somehow got a hold of a gun. So um, I don't know what we can do here in California because obviously the rest of the country is not listening. So if maybe there's something we can do as a state. This just makes me like terrified. I'm already looking over my back every time I go somewhere. When I'm at a movie theater, I'm looking for the exit sign. When I'm at a party, I'm looking for the exit sign. When I walk into a party, a restaurant, like somewhere where where there's a lot of people and they're not uh, putting people through like a the security check or like a or like a um, a metal detector, I notice it immediately and I'm really worried. When I go to a club and they're only searching men, that shit drives me crazy. Women can carry weapons too. A lot of times for men. Like why the fuck aren't you checking the women and their bags? Um, I'm always, that's the first thing I think about. Like I'm always living in that space and I don't want to be living in that space. I don't know why, but it, being in these kinds of spaces with a lot of people, um, it really freaks me out. And I don't want to live my life like that. And I, I was thinking about it, like, if I have kids, I'm not sending them to a school that does not have metal detectors. And then it's like, what schools have metal detectors? Like, your kids have to be fucking homeschooled, basically. Um, and I don't want to alienate my kids from the rest of the world because of and there might be a shooter that might walk into their school one day. Like, is there... There needs to be a technology that is like a small little thing that you attach to doorways and gates and fences where people just you don't have to spend time searching people but if they walk through they that the you know they instantly the alarm will go off if someone has a gun like recognizes weapons um there needs to be something like that created and it needs to be placed everywhere i'm talking about everywhere like it needs to be mandatory restaurants banks anywhere you go you cannot walk through a door where there's people in it without this alarm going off right um i know that it's like might be a crazy idea and obviously there are settings you can't control like people walking down the street i mean i don't fucking know but like 
there should be a way to be able to detect someone has a weapon without putting these metal detectors in every single school and every single library and every single restaurant and everywhere. But I just, I'm just at a point where like, I don't even know what else to say except like, this is so sad. Another tragedy, these poor kids. I feel like I'm repeating myself constantly and it's the same thing. And there's like, what, when's it going to change? Like, is it going to, is it going to be a politician's kid? Is it going to be a celebrity's child? Is it going to be someone with some sort of power to be able to change this law who is directly affected by it i don't really know what is gonna help this gun like our gun our gun laws become more strict or just like get rid of guns altogether i don't know how or what is gonna help but like i'm tired of living in this space of like fear and worry and angst because i'm always in it when i'm like in a public setting and i'm tired of it but yeah I'm going to move on now. Let's talk about how Drake got booed at Camp Flogna. Can never pronounce that right. Flogna. Oh, yes. And this week was the anniversary of the Take Care. Eight years, I think it was said. Ten years? I don't know. Wow. What a fucking album. Hands down. One for the books. And you know what? The disrespect of Gen Z. Let's talk about it. If you don't know what happened, there's a festival... Um, that Tyler, the creator, and the Odd Future kids put on every year ca- called Camp Flogna, and Drake um, was a surprise performer. Um, I don't know why he got booed. I think people thought it was going to be someone else. Maybe they thought it was going to be Frank. I don't know what. Maybe who were they waiting for? But when Drake, Drake got on, he performed, and at some point, people started booing, or he asked, like, hey, I'm here for you guys, so, like, if you, if you want me here, like, we can go all night. And I think people, like, continued to boo, and um, he left the stage. He said, thank you so much. Much love and left. So, first of all, you got to, I don't want to say free because, like, they bought tickets, but, like, a surprise, not part of the ticket special, whatever, Drake performance. He popped up and surprised you, and you kids are fucking booing. And I'm saying kids because most of these people that were there are probably Gen Z because I don't know any millennial in their right fucking sense that would boo Drake. Like, you are in the presence of a fucking real life goat, like the definition. I'm like talking like Kobe, Obama, Drake. Like, I'm talking about the goats, goats, like Beyonce, like the goats, Adele's, the Adele's and the Beyonce's, the Kobe's and the Drake's and the Obama's of the world. You are in the presence of a goat and you fucking boo them. Like, the disrespect. And, uh, you know, whatever, Drake, Drake's comeback was great. He's just so, like, funny and just, like, took it lightly. And he posted this Instagram that was kind of like, ha-ha, like, surprise news for you guys. Just signed a 10-year deal with Odd Future. I'll be at every festival until you guys turn 30. Basically, like, laughing at them because he knows that it's Gen Z. Like, they're in their early 20s. They're 18. They're whatever. Like, see you for the next 10 years when you're 30 because you're fucking Gen Z and you're a snot for booing one of the greatest artists of all time. But we all know the story. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I have don't think I have ever booed anyone in my life. I think the only time, maybe... When I went to the Dallas Cowboys game, no, because they were playing the L.A. Rams. And I'm like, well, I live in L.A. I also like the Rams. The Cowboys are my team. I'm not going to boo them. So I didn't fucking boo them. I don't think I have ever really booed anyone. Maybe one time at a Lakers game. I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's a poet, if it's a singer, if it's someone doing improv, if it's fucking Drake, you just don't boo. Like, it doesn't matter how many times a person has gotten up on stage. 
it still takes a lot every single time to get up there, give all of your energy and perform for people. You are actually giving your your energy, your feel, you're leaving everything on that stage. It takes so much for people to get up. Why do you think they say that the the number one fear for most people is public speaking? It takes so much out of you to get up and speak in front of people. So when someone is performing, you don't fucking boo them, period. It's disrespectful, unless they're being disrespectful, okay? Unless it's like Trump on stage talking about send her back to where she came from. Like, boo fucking you. Boo you, right? Like, that's the only time you should boo someone is if they're being really disrespectful, derogatory, um, or whatever the case is. Not an artist who is actually here doing y'all motherfuckers a favor, showing up to this festival, and you guys boo him because you thought it was going to be someone else. We don't boo. Eat People's Choice Awards, okay? Khloe Kardashian, this is one of the more interesting awards for me. Khloe Kardashian won two years in a row. Um, I believe it was the most, like the best reality TV star. And she went against like Kim Richards, I think Lisa Vanderpump, a few other people, some housewives, um, some some other contestants. She won two years in a row, and I think it is well-deserved. People are laughing at this, like, really, this is an award. But, like, yeah, E-People's Choice Awards are for the awards for the fans to vote, first of all. So, like, the fans have a say. Not some, like, recording academy that, like, who the fuck is there, right? Who are you? No one knows who you are. Why did you vote for the shit? Do you even like music? Um, This is, like, real fans voting for this. Oh, so they say. And... These are awards, this is pop culture. This is shit that people watch. This is shit that people know about. The reality TV, say what you want about it, but that shit is here. It's here to stay. And now there's a newer version of it. It's called vlogging, right? That is a, a, a different version of reality TV. Um, and Khloe Kardashian has put her life out there for years. But these past two years, she hid nothing from us. She was pregnant and he cheated and she showed it and then the Jordan thing she has given us everything and I think it's really well deserved and I'm not the only one that thinks so congrats to Chloe for two years in a row um what else happened John Legend was voted the sexiest man alive by people magazine I don't know how I feel about that he's cute I don't know what that means. What does it mean to be the sexiest man alive? Do you, is it someone that you want to rip their clothes off? Like, what are we talking about when we're thinking sexy? Lena just played me a really great clip of John Legend and Tracy Ellis Ross and how she, how he said that everyone's nice to him in person, but on the internet they're saying, like, he's not the sexiest man alive. And Tracy Ellis Ross basically said, like, what's not sexy about you? You're a great husband, a father, a feminist. You show up for your community, you're talented. Yes, all of these things are true. Um, when you look at Idris Elba, you know, you know, like you get like, okay, I can see where people are like, this is the sexiest man alive. I mean, I don't really know anything about Blake Shelton, but I can see it in his face where it's kind of like that, like, that like smile and nice, but kind of like has like some mischievous shit going on behind his eyes. Like you get that vibe, right? I don't know what other guys were voted, um, but, but. But Adam Levine, I think, was probably Sexiest Man Alive at some point. I don't look at Adam Levine like, wow, you know? I don't know. Like, to me, if you ask me who do you think the Sexiest Man Alive is right now, I can't name anyone at the top of my head. I just think people are attractive. I can't be like, wow, this is, you know? But when it comes to John Legend, like, yeah, what does it mean to be the Sexiest Man Alive? 
He's so handsome. It's not literal. He's so handsome. Very cute. Feel like he has a baby face. But yeah, it's everything that comes with him. Like, you know, you don't name this title like the most handsome man alive. Or you don't name it like best all around male. Like what you can't name this really anything else. It's the most catchiest thing to name is sexiest man alive. And yeah, people take it very literal, but I think like I could totally, totally get with this decision and I can't believe that he hasn't been voted the sexiest man alive earlier. He, I think he's an EGOT winner. He's attractive inside and out. Um, he has Chrissy Teigen, those beautiful kids. Oh my God, her, I'm actually so happy he won. Not because it wasn't like well-deserved, it was well-deserved, but because now Chrissy can brag about it. I think her... Um, I think her tweets are like, sexiest man alive just made me a sandwich. And like her bio on Instagram or Twitter is like, married to the sexiest man alive. Like she is really going with this shit. She's taking it and writing it out. And I think that is the best thing that could have come from him winning this. There you go. Currently sleeping with people's most sexiest man alive. I want that in my bio one day. Shout out to them, man. They're the cutest couple. Um, the last thing I'm going to talk about in the Talkworthy segment is the Taylor Swift of it all, okay? So we talked about this before in the episode where Gina was featured in it, and basically, brief, brief, briefly, for those of you who don't keep up, Taylor Swift was signed to a record label. I think it was called, like, Big Little Machine or something. That's what she signed when she was younger, and they own, she recorded her six albums with them, and they own the master. So usually when you sign as an artist and you're new, most record labels will sign you. They, they front everything. But the way that you sign is that you, they own your masters. They own the rights to your music. So once she left them, um, Scooter Braun comes in and he bought the label, which now means he owned her masters. And this is what kind of came up earlier in the year where she was like, I can't believe these two men own the rights to my music. And um, it's someone who's bullied me, who I don't like, talking about Sco Scooter Braun. She said that she didn't get an opportunity to own her own masters. They didn't give her the option to purchase her own masters. They're saying that's not true. You had the opportunity. You didn't end up going through, whatever. So then it got kind of quiet. Now it's back up. Taylor Swift wrote a blog post basically saying that she wants her fans to help her out and kind of push Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta to um, give her the opportunity, allow her the opportunity to perform her music. So she won Artist of the Decade Award at the American Music Awards. I think they're like in a few days. And she won the award, which means she has to perform her songs from this past decade. But they own those songs. So she came out and wrote that because they own the masters of her music and she has a contract that they own it up until I think November 2020, well, they own it forever, but up until November 2020, she cannot make re-recordings of this. She plans to re-record these songs so she then owns the masters to those new songs. But she can't do it yet because it's not November 2020. So basically, they own the masters and they're, they said they own the licensing. They will not allow her to perform those songs at the AMAs as she takes her award for Artists of the Decade. And simultaneously, she announced that she basically has a Netflix documentary and some of that footage and some of that music is in that documentary and she cannot use her music for that documentary either because they own it and they're basically being petty and she's basically saying that they're holding it over her head and it's kind of like men and the industry um 
and she talks about how none of them had neither of them had a, a hand in writing this music and um her fans are livid artists are livid Gigi Hadid um Selena I mean a lot of people came out in her defense like Scott Scooter let her perform her music so Big Little Machine put out a statement basically saying like the narrative that you're putting out there is not true you owe us money for some licensing you we never said you can't pre uh, perform your own music they basically came out with this then she came out quickly and swiftly huh, swiftly with a rebuttal saying that um they're lying. They owe her $8 million for royalties that were never paid. So basically, we don't really know what's happening. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more information. Um, this has been like petty wars, and it's unfortunate because I feel like she's the, the, the blog post that she put out kind of seemed like a little bit desperate. Um, so I don't think that she's lying. For her to put out a post like that, like begging her fans and artists that she knows to speak out for her and ask these two men to let her perform her own shit like it seems like borderline like really sad and desperate so I can't imagine that she would be lying about this but I don't really know the back end and what's going on with this whole situation um it is unfortunate and you know like this is something that she talks about and one thing that people can take away from this is even if you don't have the means um, to put out your music. Do or any of your any of your um, work, your content. Do what you can. Do the best that you can. That you own what you create. Because the last thing you want to do is to wake up one day in a position like this, where you have people who own your shit and they didn't do anything but basically, you know, fund it. I'm not saying they didn't do anything. I'm sure they put her in the rooms, they promoted it, they funded it or whatever. But the actual words, the lyrics, the feelings, the emotions, all of that that she wrote, she can she doesn't own anymore. And it's like I can't imagine being in her position. So if anyone can take anything away from this is do what you can to run your own shit and to own your own shit. And I, that's kind of what I love about our millennial generation of people is the entrepreneurs the people that are like figuring out for themselves they're googling they're starting these these businesses without investors without um people having a stake in their company so yeah I, I think if it's one thing that we can take away from that is just do what you can for as long as you can to own most or all of your own shit you guys I keep looking at myself in the screen in front of me and I look like a little ass girl with this little ass fucking hairstyle the scrunchie in my hair this pink bodysuit this pink backdrop with a furry pillow I look like a little girl okay here we go let's get into the dropping gems segment this is the last segment on the show and we are talking about Kevin Hart so he was at the People's Choice Awards I think he won best uh, comedian and he got a standing ovation from the crowd people were really happy to see him because he was involved in a car accident it was really really bad he had back surgery he has been in physical therapy um he could have died it was a very very serious serious accident so people haven't seen him he hasn't been out and and working you know Kevin Hart is like everywhere when you think of Kevin Hart you think of him on every billboard in like five movies at a time I feel like some sort of comedy special some sort of show real husbands of Hollywood I don't know he's doing so much so the fact that we just haven't seen him in a while you kind of like forget so when people saw him and like remembered and also like 
praised him for his recovery and everything that he's been through. The standing ovation was insane. Um, and I kind of want to talk about his accident. He put out this video, uh, a little bit about his accident and recovery. And, you know, he talks about what he took from the situation. And he said that he, um, what he took from it is that God was telling him to slow down. And when God talks, you have to listen. And I thought that was so interesting because I've experienced this several times in my life. I think that especially, especially when your health is in jeopardy, all you want to be is just okay. Like nothing else matters. You just want your health. You just want to be healthy. Like none of the money, none of the material things, nothing matters. All you want is your health. Um, and it's that is the time of reflection. I experienced something like this. I was not feeling well for a while. I had a lump in my throat and I went to several doctors. I had a, um, uh, an ultrasound and we just thought it was the thyroid and the ultrasounds that said it was more serious. And I went one day into a doctor's office to get a biopsy and the doctor basically touched it and looked at it and said, Oh no, like I'm not going to, I can't do a biopsy here like this. I have to do, you have to do a surgical biopsy with a different doctor because I don't think this is like a thyroid or something. Like I think you have lymphoma. Like I think you have cancer. And I was like, what? He basically diagnosed me with cancer right then and there. He said, don't. And I start crying. He's like, don't worry if it's stage three or four, we'll do this. And we'll do chemotherapy. We do radiation. And I'm like in tears because I thought I was going in because I thought I had a thyroid and they were just going to do a biopsy and check on the cyst or thyroid. I didn't know what I had, but he basically diagnosed me with cancer and I was hysterical. I went into the bathroom. I had to calm myself down. And I prayed about it and I walked out and I said, I don't have cancer, you're wrong, but I'll do the biopsy. And when I did the operation, um, that week or so that I was home, I really took the time to reflect. And this is what I mean when I say when your health is in jeopardy and you don't know what's going on, nothing else matters, right? Um, I laid there and I was I experienced different emotions, different states. Like sometimes I was okay, sometimes I was having um, anxiety attacks. So waiting for a result is the worst thing in the world. I talked about this a few weeks ago. This is why I'm traumatized going to doctor's offices and waiting for test results. Like it just scares the fuck out of me. So um, what I did in that time is kind of what I want to talk about in this episode on the topic. When I was waiting for my results, I took the steps to figure out how to get through it. So a lot of people, when bad things happen to a lot of people, and this could have happened with Kevin Hart, they either dwell on the situation and they kind of hit a really low point and they become depressed. Other people deny, deny, deny. They, they deflect. They don't believe that this is happening to them. They uh, use the other approach, right? They say, nope, this is not me. This is not happening to me. I don't have this, right? This is the approach that people use. I had to start with acceptance. I had to accept the situation for what it was. This is what's happening. This is what's in my body. This is the next, this is the step I took. I had a biopsy and the next step is to sit and wait for the results. You have to accept your situation. You can't fight it. Um, because if you keep fighting it, you cannot move forward, right? So once you accept the situation, this doesn't apply to a health, only a health scare. This applies to everything in life. If you don't accept where you are and what situation you're in, then you're never going to move forward because all you're doing is fighting the reality. So first step always is to accept what's happening to you. Once you accept it, you rationalize it and you kind of figure out how you move forward, how you progress. Um, 
And once you accept and figure out how to move forward, you move in more of a rational manner, right? When I accepted it, I was praying kind of like as if it nothing is wrong with me, it didn't happen. The prayers that I was saying were, um, God, thank you for getting me through this. Thank you for um, making sure that I, you know, the, these results were negative. And those are the kinds of prayers I was saying because I was kind of trying to manifest it and speak it into existence. But I was not in any way, shape, or form denying the position that I was in. So this is kind of like Kevin Hart. He accepted that he went through this tragic accident, through this injury, and he could have went into a really dark, dark space. Um, a lot of people that have these accidents and have this kind of um, damage done to their body, they don't recover. A lot of people are in wheelchairs for the rest of their lives. He accepted the state that he was in and he decided he needed to progress. Instead of, instead of just being in a hump, you figure out like, what is the sign from this? Like, what does God want me to learn or take away from this situation? Kevin Hart took away that he needs to slow down. He did need to slow down. He was fucking moving. When I say I see, I see him on every bull, billboard on Sunset Boulevard, I'm not joking. He's everywhere. He did need to slow down. Um, spend time with his family, right? These are the things he said. And that was also the case for me. When I was laying there for a week trying to figure, waiting for the results, like, what does God want me to do? And for me, I was at a point where I stopped um, using my voice. I feel like everyone has a purpose. You know, sometimes we might not know where our purpose is, but I think one of the biggest sins in life is to be placed on this earth and not live out what you're put out here to do. And I feel like I was in the space for about a year where I kept saying, I'm going to go back into hosting. I'm going to go back into talking. I'm going to go back into spreading, you know, uh, this energy, this confidence, this um, word of God being a vessel. I kept saying I was going to go back into it and I didn't. And all of a sudden, I had this lump in my throat and as I was laying there, I, I realized like, you know what, God, like if you, I need to get through this. If you just get me through this, I promise like I'm going to, I'm going to do what I was put out here on earth to do. And I don't know, like I said, if this is my true purpose, but I knew that this was something that I was supposed to be doing and I wasn't doing it. So that is what I took from my health scare, right? And again, it doesn't always have to be a health scare. It can be any kind of tragedy. It doesn't even have to be a tragedy. It could just be a moment of um, awareness and realizing where you are in your life. Maybe it's, you know, a mental breakdown. Maybe it, Whatever it can be, you don't know. Uh, but I just think that making sure that you're self-aware and you're, you realize where, what position you're in and how to get through it. The idea in life and what my motto is always like, you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep moving. You can't stop and dwell. Now, I don't say don't grieve. I'm not saying don't um, live in it. You have to live in it. You have to uh, process it. Like, it's not like, okay, this is what's wrong with me. How do I go? No, no, this is what's wrong with me. Wow. I can't believe this happened to me why did this happen? How am I feeling? But you don't sit in that place. You have this conversation with yourself once, maybe twice, but you got to keep it pushing. This is the same thing with divorce. This is the same thing with deaths as easy as it sounds. I know it's not, but it's the same thing with someone close to you passing. This is the same thing of uh, breakups. You know, you have to just accept it, figure it out, figure out how you feel and then keep it pushing because life keeps moving and if you don't fucking keep moving you get lost and you get into a really dark dark place i'm gonna put two links in the um, episode description one for kevin hart's um recovery video and it really just shows you know sometimes god will take something away from you that you feel like 
no one can take away from you. So Kevin Hart, the ability to just keep going, to just keep working hard, right? It, it got taken away from him in one accident. He had to recover and physically learn how to basically walk again. Um, he couldn't just run like he's used to running, right? So I think that the video was very inspirational. So I'm going to link the video. And also, I when I had my talk show, I had an episode with um, two ladies, one, a Mimi, who is a cancer survivor, and Amber, who has um, MS. And they just kind of talk about their diagnosis and how, you know, they got through it or still have to live with it. Um, and how they just keep pushing through life. And this is where, you know, the concept of perseverance, you just got to keep going. Um, you can't, you know, life doesn't stop. So if you don't want to miss out on life, you have to just keep going and keep pushing. So I'm going to link that out too. It was a great episode. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all I have for today's episode. I want to say happy Thanksgiving and I'm sorry I won't be here for the next couple weeks, but just keep an eye out and I'll be back soon. Again, you can listen to any of my old podcasts or Alina and I are producing content for my friend Iris and it is out every Friday. So she is fabulous and so funny. And I think this week's episode that she's releasing might have Lena and I in it. I don't know. Look out for that one. It comes out on Friday. Her content is on YouTube, by the way. It's um, Iris Palmer, and that's Iris with a Y, Y-R-I-S Palmer, and it's produced by Noir Notebook Productions, and I will link out her YouTube channel in my descriptions as well, so make sure you watch that, and yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review, follow me on Instagram at Starring Milana. I love all your messages. And um, I love when you guys DM me topics that you want to hear about. I'm going to get to them. I promise there was a few that have been sent out. And um, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening and watching. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.